Guaranteed to last longer than Tom Brady's retirement. Welcome to the F1 2022 season preview on Motorsport 101. And before anyone asks in the comments, it was too easy. I couldn't not do it. It was it was an open goal. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to episode 346 of Motorsport 101. I'm Dre Harrison, your friendly neighborhood host. And this is the one you've all been waiting for. It's the F1 2022 season preview. The main event of season preview season. And... I love that... Spoiler alert, folks. None of us have any idea what's going to happen this weekend. And that's yeah, great! Yeah, complete crap, <laughs> It's a complete shithouse. But we're going to try and get through this season anyway. Because what's the worst that could happen? Besides a pylon on social media, obviously. With me, this week, as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. You want to know how prepared I am for this? I... My research consisted of everything that I overheard during all the testing because I didn't get to observe much of it. Uh, mm. Watching a couple of videos and reading a couple articles on the Formula One YouTube channel, I think I'm good. I think I feel prepared to give accurate, uh, adequate assessments of what this Formula One season is going to be like. It's all part of LK Kaku. Translators note LK Kaku means L plan. L plan, L plan indeed. I, I, King, I think he's overqualified. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I watched one session of testing and pretty much, you know, keep my ear on the ground to hear any rumblings of what people feel about uh, the team mm. going in, and that's it. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. What do you reckon, Cam? <laughs> uh, well, you know, after. Um... After being forged in the fires of Gran Turismo 7 license test S10, um, <laughs> I had to unwind from the screaming, crying, and emotional damage that that did by watching some F1 testing. I think we have... I like... recapped on basically all of the F1 testing, and I have no fucking idea who's going to win this year. And I, <laughs> there's no point in picking any of this. So between me, Dre, and Cam... King, do you have a, Do you have GT7? No, I do not have. Ah, uh, we almost had quorum. We almost had quorum here. I had. I watched one whole session because I was too busy installing this. <laughs> but those guys are all watching bro. on video. You too. I I have joined the club. It is like having a suitcase on my desk, but it is glorious. It is. Uh, it is. All... It, it is a chonky boy. It is extremely chunky. It's, it is literally the size of my torso. It's incredible. And I don't go to the gym, so that's not a good sign. But, uh, yes, you can now get to enjoy my new paperweight in, in all its glory. Um, it was not cheap. <laughs> I'm Never currently is. setting up the OnlyFans account as we speak. But in the meantime... We're going to go through team by team, as well as the schedule and some of the other bigger news that we're going to get through in this season preview um, of all the F1 teams. Some of the things that may end up making a difference may not. We'll have to wait and see. We'll try and figure out how this grid is going to shake itself out by the time 2022 starts. Um, we'll be going in reverse championship order from last year. So Haas will be up right after I plug 
where you can find us. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport101. We're on Facebook.com, same address, at, at Motorsport101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are on the screen right now. If um, if you're not listening on YouTube, that's at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at CBucky917, and at Ryan Eric King. Our Instagram, Motorsport101Pod. For all our content updates up on there and some bonus stuff as well. And you can find all of that and much more on our website at motorsport101.com, including some bonus content from our MotoGP episode last week where I talk about stewarding, because that's always fun. Um, but by the time this episode goes up, that post will be up as well, so you can check that out as well. So all our written stuff is in the blog section. All of that is cool. Let's get into our F1 2022 season preview. Oh boy, well, here we go. Us F1 team. F1. Wait, RJ, why isn't it Eurocali Haas F1 team? Uh, suffice <laughs> to say that a lot happened in the last few weeks. So, if you don't know, Vladimir Putin uh, has staged a hostile invasion of neighboring Ukraine. Uh, the Western world has put down the harshest sanctions on the Russian Federation that we've seen in years. How does this impact Formula One? Euro Cali is gone from Haas. Nikita Mazepin is gone from Haas. In their place, Kevin Magnussen is back in the sport partnering Mick Schumacher. Uh, Gene Haas actually had to address this. He said to Jenna Fryer of the Associated Press, there was a lot of intense criticism about the Ukrainian invasion, and it was just getting overwhelming. We can't deal with that. Our other sponsors can't deal with all that. We're in the process of looking at several candidates. We'll see who's available and what we have to deal with. And that was before they opted to pick up Kevin Magnuson, who, by the way, left Peugeot's uh, upcoming WEC hypercar program, which was getting delayed till after Le Mans. And even then, winning Le Mans was not a guarantee. Uh, Gene also recently uh, stated the team's still financially stable. He said, we're good. We're fine. These are quotes. We'd like more money, of course, but we're fine. He said, this just gives us a bigger negative number. Boy, this whole thing evolved in real time from the first day of the Barcelona test till now. But suffice it to say... Gonna be an interesting year for Haas, who, dare I say, after the Bahrain test, I think tanking 2021 didn't do them all that bad a job. It looked real good. It... Um, Man, I, I go back to last year, and we could tell how bad they were going to be, not when they got on track, but when they took the cover off the car. And we saw that it was as minimum effort as was humanly possible to meet last year's regs. And then somehow when they put it on track, it was even worse. Um, other than losing one of their drivers, not really that it's uh, much of a loss. Rest in piss, Bozo, you won't be missed. Watch. <laughs> losing the title sponsor and having their freight delayed, which all sounds pretty bad. Everything on track for Haas seemed pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say regarding the situation that has. I mean, it's 
there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's not the most ideal circumstances if you're Hass on their end to lose Nikita Mazepin and lose your title sponsor, but at least from a driving standpoint, Kevin Magnussen is a surefire upgrade. Knows the team, knows the setup, has always been a solid midfield level driver in F1. That's a big plus. Um, there's no getting around that. I mean, look, no disrespect to Pietro Fittipaldi, and even even Pietro kind of admitted that. Um, yeah, this is you know certainly an, and you can understand why they put Kevin in instead, and that was probably the way to go on that one. Carl looks solid. I, this could be a team that I think could, could challenge for some points. I really do. Like the the, the test at the end was was solid. Like, way better than I think people gave it credit for. And it looked like tanking last year certainly, seemingly, was a good idea. I'm very curious to see how much of this was glory runs at the end of testing and how much of it was genuine outright pace. But um, promising stuff, all things considered. You know, even, which again, not the most ideal set of circumstances at all. Oh, yeah. Like, this is not like Braun GP in 2009, but I don't think this is Prost in 2001. Uh, having glory wow. runs to get sponsors and then completely pooping the bed regardless. Uh, this car looks like it will... They're not going to go scoreless this year. But what I really hope is that if they have a car that's this good early on in the season, there's opportunities for good points on the table. They need to go and get them now. Because we don't know how the other cars are going to progress in terms of their development. Uh, there's always a chance that they could start off really well and then regress as the season goes on by summer break, let alone the end of the season. So, yeah, mm. if if there's an opportunity to get both cars in, say, the top sits or top eight in Bahrain, you got to go and capitalize that. You can't be throwing them away like those couple of years in Australia a few years back. Like Absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's going to be kind of a running theme throughout the season preview that we expect the forum book to be extremely volatile as there's so many different concepts of car out on the grid that whichever one develops the quickest and has the highest ceiling is frankly an unknown. Mm. Speaking of which, Alfa Romeo up next. Um, they've cleared they've cleared the decks for 2022. Valtteri Bottas comes in for form, the former Mercedes man himself with 10 career wins to his name. And China's first F1 driver makes it in as well. Guan Yu Zhou comes up as well. Um, just, yeah, the, the big vibe here, just shaking off some, you know, not so nice labels that these two drivers have had over the years. Zhou... I didn't even realize grew up in Sheffield, just up the road, where you know, and said himself, "quote I can't influence what certain people think." In my opinion, I showed in Formula Two that I have what it takes for F1. I won races there and competed for the title. Now it's up to me to show my skills in F1 as well. I can't wait for it to start. In my first year, I really want to arrive in F1 and then score my first points. Um, Valtteri also excited for a new chapter. Said, "I'm excited." Which, I love that there's still no word for that in, in, in Finnish, like you said a couple of years ago. It's a new challenge for me. It's a new project, and in a way, you need a certain mindset for it. And I'm absolutely ready for that at this stage of my career. I've already gained quite a bit of experience. I absolutely felt feel that I have so much more to do to get better and so much more to give to this sport. As a driver, I think you never stop learning as long as you want to. So, of course, I'm looking at areas where I can be better, and it truly feels like now I can be just the best version of myself instead of trying to be something else and trying too hard. I love that Bottas basically gave it the I'm in the best shape of my life quote <laughs> right there. 
more than more than anything else. But I mean, is it fair to say, gentlemen, that I don't think any team stock took more of a beating over testing than Alphas? Certainly over the Barcelona test, from what I understand. Towards the end of Bahrain, they started to pull it back together. There's there's potential here, but the reliability is the issue, and this, it's the same with Haas. But it's going to be a tough scrap for eighth place in the constructors. And I think them, Haas, and the Nets team we're going to talk about, they're, they're going to be fighting for that eighth place spot in the constructors. Uh at least on the current testing form book, which we all know could end up completely getting tossed out the window later on the season. Now, King, I know that this has been, you know, not the biggest pro Valtteri Botas podcast. Really? Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what kind of advantage, what, what kind of, what does a driver like Valtteri Botas, with all his front-running experience, give to a team that just had Kimi Raikkonen? What do they expect oh, out of him? All that front-running experience. Like, <laughs> uh, like, it's sort of, yeah, they just had Kimi Raikkonen, and like they should kind of expect the same feedback and direction that they got from Raikkonen from Botas. But, like, the years they had... Kimmy, it didn't seem like they were improving. It seemed like they were going in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, they looked rough. Definitely in Barcelona. Um, the theme of this year's testing is the word porpoising. And it's when the car suffers a stall of its floor and starts bouncing up and down as the car stalls and unstalls. You can see a perfect example of this with my co-hosts, RJ and uh, Dre here. Um, the Alfa Romeo was porpoising so bad that it was actually breaking the car in the first test. Um, and, well, there's a team further up the grid who where porpoising is a major piece of their preseason. But uh, unlike that team, Alfa seemed to be getting on top of it around the last day of testing. But for me, reliability still has to be a concern when they burnt through that many components in such a short amount of time. And what does success look like for Guan Yuzhou this season? I think I don't necessarily know the answer to that. I would like to see him... I'd like to see him give Valtteri, who's been very established in F1, a run for his money. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, that was the thing that Antonio Antonio Giovinazzi couldn't do for Raikkonen up until the point where his the fate of his career was already basically decided. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, kind of like, a, a few points here and there would be great. You know, not very many crashes. Like, I'm not expecting him to be like head-to-head or in race trim better than Valtteri because he's a good driver no matter which way you slice it. You don't, you don't fluke getting double-digit wins in Formula 1, okay? He, the man knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I don't expect Zhao to be competitive against him like that, but just don't put it in a ditch. 
score a few points if if the opportunity arises and just mitigate errors and he'll be fine like i don't know what people are expecting out of a rookie in a really really bad driver matchup situation you're competing against a guy that's a championship runner up and has 10 career wins to his name there's not very many ways you can look bad here let's put it to you that way like it's a low pressure environment um just maximize what you can get and i think you'll be fine i think there'll be a lot more expectations in year two for Zhao than year one, quite frankly. Like, it's a freebie year. As long as you don't stink up the joint, you should be fine. You know? Yeah. And I, I don't think anyway. he will, because, uh, so your point about not being able to fluke 10 wins, Juan Zhou was a title contender pretty much every year of his Formula 2 career. It may have taken him three years to get up and out, and he never eventually won the championship. Last year would have been his year, and then he got, he just got slipstream passed by Piastri, but, you mm. know. It is what it is, but I I don't think he's as bad a driver as people make him out to be. Well, that and that's I'll kind of the, the angle that I'm going for is that I do rate Zhou quite how quite highly as a driver. Yeah. So I do have decent expectations for him just because I I like what I've seen out of him in F2. Oh yeah, same definitely. Oh, should we talk about my beloved Aston Martin? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, first we could talk about Williams. Because, oh, yeah, uh, oh, because Williams <laughs> paying tribute to LeBron James with two drivers with both of his jersey numbers, Nicholas Latifi and Alexander <laughs> Albon. Alex Albon's back full time this year. Uh, he talked after the shakedown session, not a test, but it's really a test, but not really Catalonia session. I think once you're on the limit and things are stiff, you got to be a bit more precise when you're driving these things. So I'll be interested to see what the cars are like when you're driving on the limit. It feels almost like an F2 car in terms of the way it responds, but with F1 quarter speed, so it doesn't feel very alien. We're in Barcelona, which is a smooth circuit, so I'm not sure if that was going to change you. I'm trying to think now. Austin, we'll see. It's feeling pretty good, to be honest. The car feels like it's a good place to begin with. We have a good foundation for the rest of the year to start on. Nothing obvious sticking out, which is always good. Obviously, it's a new regulation, so it's a bit of a reset for everyone, which I think helps me a little bit as well. There's still a bit of rust here, but otherwise, I'm shaking it off. And every lap I do in the car is feeling better and better. And that was in Catalonia, and then at Bahrain, the wind just kind of fell out of their sails. And it's expect, and like multiple outlets are predicting them to be uh, 10th coming out of testing. Oof. If you don't know, uh, Formula One still has 10 teams. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do we make of this? You know, things were looking all right. After the shakedown, that totally wasn't a uh, test. And as you said, the wheels kind of kind of fell off the wagon. Um, day one looked all right, not fast, but all right. And then on day two, um, human error caused a failure on the rear of the car. The, the brakes burst into flames, and it effectively canned an entire day of testing for them. Um, certainly, a very radical car. Um, if, if the Mercedes is the unside pod car, this just has all the side pods shoved up to the front, to the front of that section of the car. So they've taken some risks with it. It looks relatively easy to drive. It doesn't necessarily look fast. And I'm not sure on this driver lineup either, to be honest with you. Like yeah. Nicholas Latifi is now pseudo team leader he's been a veteran now there for a couple of years he's now probably going to be expected to lead this team 
And, you know, it was always a, a, an uphill struggle when George Russell was the yardstick and we all knew, kind of knew how good he was as a junior um, by comparison. Now, now you ain't got an excuse, Nicholas. Like, you've got Alex Albon alongside you, who, you know, is, again, probably better than what the internet thinks he is. But, you know, he lost his seat at Red Bull for a reason. Um, I'm not convinced on the lineup. I'm not convinced on the car at all. That Them losing a day's testing due to that brake fire was catastrophic. Um, I want to believe in this team, but we talked about it before we went on the air. When was the last time Williams never set of regulations? Anyone? Uh, 2014. Uh, Valtteri Bottas and Felipe Massa came out of the bots. Guns a-blazing, multiple podiums. Probably should have won a race that season. Obviously, it was not sustainable that they would get every subsequent new regulation change right. Yeah, but RJ, but, to counter that point, they've gotten a couple of those regulation. They, they got one of those regulation changes in 2019 so wrong that it effectively set the team on the course to die because yeah. Williams has different owners now. And thank goodness they're still around. You know, maybe they're around, you know, under different management maybe under a different identity. And I know people are, I, I would be upset about that. I would be shocked if whoever buys a team off in Burlton Nets, uh, you know, possibly the Williams name, but it'll be, but for now, like I'm expecting Albon to come in and put his stamp on the team. I think Latifi took a major step forward last season, which was good. I agree. But now with, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that he's off the grid, uh, Latifi comes back to being kind of the uh, the Mendoza line of Formula One, and I I'm I, I don't concerned. know what to expect out of him. I'm just concerned that last last year we saw legitimate progress out of Williams. Um, they did a couple things to their car that last year, which made it very peaky. But when it did peak, it could get into the points. It could get into the Q3 on rare occasions through. George Russell very going soggy outlier in there, of course, but yeah, there is I'm one, sure but there are there. other legitimate Q3 appearances oh, yeah. due to George that's Russell so going full uh, 2021 LeBron James <laughs> 50 just to get him above water. Um, <laughs> I'm just concerned that the progress we saw out of Williams is going to swing right back to not the, the, the Nadir of 2019 where, that might be one of the worst cars to ever score a Formula One point. But <laughs> I, I kind of get the feeling they're probably going to regress to their mean of knocking on the door of points, but they need a hell of a lot to go right to actually get them. The, the King, he could be, he compared the situation to LeBron putting up 50 at the Lakers. As a Knicks fan, I, I think we should just put our arms on him and say, you know what, buddy, we're in this together, aren't we? <laughs> we're not in this together. The New York Knicks... <laughs> are in a way better position than Williams are. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking yes. about our respective teams, not just <laughs> Williams, but yeah, you're right. Uh, you're probably right there. Speaking of underperforming teams, Aston Martin. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about these guys. Retained lineup for this year, Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll in the 5 and the 18 cars. 
It is a revamped Aston Martin team behind the scenes. Otmar Snafauer left this team principal in the worst kept secret in Formula 1 last year. He definitely wasn't going to Alpine until he was. Um, said the other day, and I quote, It was probably best for all parties I leave, which... Um, Probably goes to show you how last year went for them, really. Um, in comes, and get your jokes in now, Mike Crack, chief engineer for teams like BMW, Sauber, and Porsche's WEC project. RJ, resist! <laughs> and he made it absolutely clear over one of the team's priorities going forward. They want to keep Sebastian Vettel on the books beyond the end of this season, because he's in a contract year as that factory gets built by Silverstone. So, quote... Uh, I think it's very important for such high-class drivers that they feel the support of the team. I think what matters here most is being transparent about what we expect, about where we are. And this is something that I handled also with all the drivers that I had in the past. At my former employer, we had more drivers because we had more projects and because you need more drivers. So it's quite crucial that you have them all embarked with what you want to achieve and there's no one left over. That does not mean you have to call them about everything, but you have to put an ecosystem in place where they can feel trusted and comfortable um i know he's got a bit of a reputation mike for having to handle a lot of high egos and a lot of drivers in environments like that but uh can they form a competitive argument to keep sebastian around fellas i think their number one argument for for vettel like to keep vettel is simply where else are you gonna go? That's that's it. Like I don't think there's That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like it's either stay at Aston Martin or retire. And honestly, I besides that argument, I don't think Aston Martin have a strong argument to like a strong argument in any other area where it's it it doesn't feel like they're improving uh, compared to other teams in the competitive order. It 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 feels like the team is stagnant while teams around them are moving up in the world. Yeah. It's a strange thing for a team that's just invested in a whole bunch of new facilities. I mean, the problem is that the those new facilities are just now coming online and we're not going to see the benefits of those until at least 2023. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely not a team that's out of transition. That's still in transition from the force India era. This is, this is very much, it feels like a new team with a whole new set of issues. Um, RJ, what's that, what's, what's that catchphrase that Maxwell Jacob Freeman comes out with? I'm better than you and you know it? The, the other one. <laughs> uh, oh God, oh Jesus. Um, that Long Island is the greatest mid. place <laughs> They're mid. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was sorry. I was I was completely spacing out there. Mid. They're mid. You know, this um, is the yeah, year that, that that Aston Martin should have. Last year, we know was a blip. After a really great 2020, let's not get into why it was so great. Um, and last year they were real rough. Not only did they. Uh, not only did they lose a podium for um, fuel-related issues, outside of a couple of podiums, they were hot garbage. They were mid. They were the worst of the midfielders. Um, they went from the best midfielder, arguably, to the worst midfielder in the space Didn't of Didn't we give year. them the floppy? Didn't we give them, as an organization, the floppy? We did. Biggest disappointment. Mm -hmm. 
the biggest disappointment. And think... that's exactly how it felt. We all just felt the vibe that this is a team that punched well below its weight. And there's been nothing out of testing or the organization reach a shuffle that's come around that's giving me any more confidence that Aston Martin's going to magically find half a second in pace this year. This feels like 2023 is the all-in year when really, if you want to keep your star driver on board, the all-in year is now. Like, this is the year where you need to say, well, look, if you want to keep your star man, this is what you got to do. And look, King's absolutely right, in my opinion, that Aston Martin's not really got a competitive argument otherwise. And the best argument they've got right now is, well, Seb's got no other options. Um, Alpine looks secure. You know, AlphaTauri are not going to hire another man again. McLaren is locked in for the next two years. Ferrari has arguably the best lineup in F1. And the big two are not going to hire him again. So Sebastian Vettel's only other option is to go home and be a family man. This is the problem with Aston Martin is that, in theory, um, just uh, copying Mercedes' homework and uh, drawing it in pink instead of silver should have given them the room to really go all in on developing the car for these new regulations. And even more so last year when it was clear from testing that the car was a dog that they should have put more into this year. And they've come out and they look like where they were last year. They look like they've made no progress, despite this being the year that they've been focused on, arguably longer than Mm. every other team on the grid. They need to find something with this car as the course of the season develops, because it it can't be like this. It can't be like this moving forward. I mean, you're still better than 1950s Aston Martin, but that... Where's the bar, RJ? It's so low, I can't see it. It's (laughs) Mediterranean. Yeah, it's... It's not good. Um, it's you know, on in some stints the car looked okay. On other ones, it looked backmarkerish. Lance Stroll, be the dri- be the race winning caliber driver that I've always thought you could be coming up into this sport. Man, don't rest on your laurels just because your dad's a major investor in the team. This is what year six of Lance Stroll like. This is it. No. Like he's not gonna magically find some pace again now. Like Lance Stroll is the definition of the new Hulkenberg baseline. If you're better than Stroll, you're probably a good driver. If you're worse than Stroll, I'm gonna have question marks about why you're here. Dude, like, could you imagine going back to like early 2017 and saying, "Oh yeah, Lance Stroll is gonna be a comp to Nico Hulkenberg." Yeah! The disrespect to my Lamar winner. Jesus Christ. (laughs) My man got carried and you know it. Um, Anyway. (laughs) While Cam chokes on his drink. Alpha Tauri, everybody. Um, Let's talk about Alpha Tauri. As RJ points to his old... To to Dad's flag on the wall there for the old old Minardi. Uh, yeah, Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda both return for this year in the 10 and the 22 cars, respectively. And uh, Pierre Gasly has made it absolutely clear. He wants that Red Bull seat back, um, and he wants it bad. Uh, Pierre Gasly was on the Drivers of the Year last year. The 26-year-old is thinking bigger. He's got two years left on his current deal. Um, but he wants the Red Bull seat that Alex Albon took away from him in 2020. Quote, Helmut and I said it's not confidential anymore that I have one more year after this year on my contract, he said. And obviously, 
Either we make it with Red Bull or we don't. What's going to happen after that? At the moment, it's way too early to speak about it. I'm focused on doing my best right now. But obviously, I want to be in a fast car to fight for wins and victories. And that's the only thing that matters. I want to win an F1 and I've got a car which allows me to win. We'll discuss that with Helmut when it will be the right moment. Um, Not that one, Chief. I, I, I already have the feeling that Pierre Gasly is punching against the glass ceiling here because I don't think there's much more in this Alpha Tauri than what he had last year because he was outstanding last year. He was. Um, he was legitimate driver of the year candidate last year. He was. Super agreed. Firm. Agreed. But has, is there anything from the Alpha Tauri camp to make me think they're a genuine top five runner? Because we say this about Alpha Tauri every year. But like, this is the year they'll challenge the top five and it. Just doesn't quite happen for him year on year. Opposite. Those fives at Alphatory this year, they were pretty they were pretty low key throughout testing. I, I I'd actually Which, argue you know, in contrast the last Yeah, I'd argue kind of the opposite direction this year. Um Porpoising. Oh my god. There are videos titled Pierre Gasly Vibin. Up and down, <laughs> side to side, <laughs> like a roller coaster. That car is slamming up and down all the way down the main straight at, at Bahrain. Um, with the porpoising on the grid, I think only being matched by one other team who we will get to in due time. If you know, you mm. know. Um, mm -hmm. I have to look at the other side of the garage because we came into last year extremely high on Yuki Tsunoda after a great showing in F2. And he just kept throwing that car at anything solid for the th first three quarters of the year. But in the last quarter, he started of the year, great. Then the valley hit, and then he just started to turn it around. And I was surprised at how much he was struggling with his physical fitness throughout the season. Like he was fairly candid about it. And it's not a thing that he's small of stature. It's just that you know he needed to be in better physical shape, regardless yeah. of his size. Something, something. And he hates going to the gym. I can relate. <laughs> Gotta love yeah. me some Yuki Suno. Yeah, he he is the kind of character that everybody said Kimi Raikkonen was the last seven years. He's a disgustingly likable young man. He really is, and I feel old enough now where I can call Yuki Tsunoda a young man and not feel weird. Um, but uh, he's a delightfully like just honest like I I love Yuki. He's just so honest and like and 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 just he's just he's put it together. He, this he's year. no he's no. I'm rooting for him. I really am. He, like... He's no BS in a good way. But yes. for me, I really... I, first of all, mentioning the physical fitness, something, something, racing drivers aren't athletes. He's got to take that more seriously yeah. this year because that, I mean, with how physical these cars clearly are, that's going to be a factor this year. And I just want to... Oh, yeah. I want to see yeah. him keep improving in the way he was in the final quarter of last year. Because I think his ceiling is extraordinarily high. He has the talent, but he's he's very much a diamond in the rough. It's not and a. We good all know Red Bull does not have patience no. because Red Bull Junior team reloaded. In case you did not realize, hell, they got another Japanese prospect in the pipeline in Ayumu Iwasa. They do. Yeah. To say to say nothing about guys like John Ruvula, Liam Lawson go on and on about like the dudes that they have in the system that are just like pouncing out of the opportunities like oh oh if this dude struggles i'm all in on the seat 
Yeah, I, I could see Lawson, maybe Jack Doohan potentially as well in, in, in that mix as well. I think King had a great question when he was taking Q&As on the train about the next new winner in F1. And you mentioned Doohan, I was like, the more football, I was like, that's a great shout, given that the path to get to a race winning car is probably the easiest on his end. And Yuki screams the collateral damage guy if that was to actually happen. Um, we know how this story ends. Um, and it's a shame. Like, Yuki said it himself. Franz Tost is a fitter man than he is. Oof. And he is literally three times his age. It's like, yeah. Franz, for you guys who don't know at home, is 66. He's pension age in the UK. And he still gets out of his bed four in the morning and does 10K runs perspective um so yeah yuki i need to see more from your buddy and if you think they had a top five car last year yuki let the side down he's not going to get a he's not going to get a pass two years running oh and, like, and i have concerns about given the state of that car in testing um mm. about how capable this car is going to be at consistently challenging for those solid points finishes because pierre gasly more than often more often than not, was best of the rest last year against the, the, the yeah. clash of the Titans up at the front with uh, Red Bull and Mercedes. Of all the midfielders, I have the least question marks about Pierre Gasly going forward. He is not the issue here. It's it's number 22. Um, and that- well, the only question I have about Pierre is, is who is going to give him his next contract? Mm, that is going to be... He, he could be one of the number one dudes on the board if... If the Red Bull seat doesn't happen, and we'll have to wait and see how how the Sergio Perez experiment continues going forward. He's in a contract. All right, it's halftime. It's halftime. We got our we got our orange slices and Capri Suns ready. Let's talk about the calendar because we're in Bahrain this weekend, March twentieth, and then yeah. we're off to Saudi Arabia on the twenty seventh. We get to our April stretch with the return of the Australian Grand Prix on April tenth. And the Grand Premio de Emilia Romagna on April 24th. Brand new deal for them. Then we get to the May stretch. The inaugural Miami Grand Prix on May 8th. I may be there. Spanish Grand Prix, May 22nd. Memorial Day weekend in America. Monaco Grand Prix, May 29th. We come to June. Azerbaijan, Canada, June 12th and June 19th. That is a that is weird logistics, but okay. Weird. British yeah. Grand Prix, July 3rd. Austrian Grand Prix, July 10th. Then the French Grand Prix a little bit later in the year on July 24th. And then we go to Budapest and Orbound Land, the Hungarian Grand Prix on July 31st. And then we get a we get a summer break. Four we get weeks, four long. weeks off to we, more orange slices and Capri Sun for everybody at the factory. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa, August 26th. Dutch Grand Prix, September 4th. Italian Grand Prix, the 11th of September. And then we go to Singapore. Singapore's back October 2nd. And then Japan's back. Suzuka's back on October 9th. Two weeks off, we go to Circuit of the Americas. United States Grand Prix, October 23rd. Then Mexico City Grand Prix, October 30th. The Brazil slash Sao Paulo slash Enrolagos Grand Prix on November 13th. And then Abu Dhabi closes out the season on November 20th. So a couple key points. We have some races that are back. Australia, Canada, Japan, Singapore, good health willing, they're all going to be back. No more Portugal, no more Styria, no more Turkey. Uh, we have nine back-to-backs. We have a triple header uh, late August, early September when we come back from Singap- from summer break. Saudi Arabia is now at March. <laughs> uh, you know, 
uh, cutters off for the year because they're building a new circuit. Miami's, of course, debuting. We had 23 Grand Prix, but then the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi was then uh, Thanos snapped out of existence mm -hmm. uh, for reasons that, that, that are far beyond the scope of this podcast. Or at least most of us on the podcast. Don't invade but, another country. Gen general rule yeah, of thumb. Don't, yeah, don't, don't fucking do that. Uh, do we think we're getting a 23rd race on there? Because I know it would be good to just give us another weekend off, but I know Formula One is going to be I aching get that. for that sweet, revenue of a 23rd sweet race. Sweet revenue. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of rumors what the replacement race could be. Obviously, some countries have interjected themselves into the conversation, uh, while others have been real quiet about potentially returning to the calendar, where I think the two biggest contenders are the, the vocal option, Turkey. They They want yeah, on the calendar, quiet option. Yeah, that, there was somebody like somebody found like a page that was selling Turkish Grand Prix tickets, like almost like lining it up as a dead ringer announcement we that just, they were going to we replace do, it, and they still haven't like. Can we just not yeah. schedule it at a time of the year where we're going to get the uh, I can't believe it's not wet or dry Grand Prix? And <laughs> the quiet option I've heard is a return to Germany at the at the Hockenheim ring. Yes. I'll take that. Yes. I'll, I'll take, take that. Bring back the drag strip of poor judgment. Yes. <laughs> My man. Um, look, I, I, look, I'll also love that Sapang's social media account was like, did somebody say cars? <laughs> cars emojis oh, and eyes emojis. I miss it. But Sapang, you're the best bike track in the world. Stop. Stop. Hey, <laughs> it was a decent, it was a decent car track, too. We'll have you back. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you back, but if you don't want to come back, we understand entirely. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. my general thoughts are Saudi Arabia in March is weird. It's, it's actually weird that we, we had Saudi Arabia just four months ago, and we're going back here again literally next week. Um, that is weird, to say the least. Um, I've, I've got, I'm getting big 2006 vibes. I have an Australia as round three in April. Uh, I think it's quite funny, but good. It's nice that it's, we're going to have it. It's, it's nice because it feels like a normal calendar again. It feels like, you know, the like the staple F1 rounds are back. It's not just a Euro fest like it's been for the last Nature is healing where it's time to yeah, go back to brunch. Yeah, East I, I Asia hope. is back. <laughs> <laughs> We missed them. Um, you know, got nine doubleheaders, a triple to start the second half of the year. And if they really do want to put a 23rd race back in there, it probably will be another triple header of some kind. Um, um, I don't envy those teams in the back half of the yeah, year. I'm just let saying, me tell you. Watch, um, watch that eight. empty space just, you know, around, around Italy could get filled up. Yeah. I think round 17, where, where as it stands, there's three weeks between Italy and Singapore. They could easily slot another round in there if they really wanted to. So just be warned on that one. If we get any news on that, obviously we'll let you know here on the podcast. But for now, it's 22. I'm totally okay if it stays at 22. I'm pretty sure, I'm but, pretty sure um, the vast oh, majority of people are okay if it stays at 22. Yeah, but those numbers. But we all know yeah, what those revenue numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's it sucks that baseball players were locked out, but you know, like 
a shorter season wouldn't kill anybody. No, no, it wouldn't. But you know, that doesn't make the more money, right? Top yeah. half of the teams. Let's get back into it. Uh, pretty in, in a bit of pink. BWT Alpine. Yes, the the BWT guys came over, and King is uh, that's like a, RJ sliding off his chair as we already speak about this. Um, L, L plan is not so rosy at the moment. Team's still the same, Alonso and Ocon. Um, and yeah, the confidence coming out of Team Enstone at the moment. Not great. Um, Alonso was a bit more optimistic by the end of the test, saying, quote, car felt better than Barcelona. We brought some new things here and more to come in the next days and hopefully into the race one. Everyone is working flat out. Never a good sign. And I'm happy. <laughs> I'm optimistic that we'll be much better in the next couple of days and especially in the first race. I think it's going to be a long game. That is for sure. The rate of development is going to be huge and there are 22 races. I remember here last year, I retired the car and Esteban was P12. So no points after Bahrain. And then we won a race in Hungary and we were enjoying the season from then on. So I think this year is going to be a long game to play and I'm confident we will have a good season. Um, gentlemen, is, is is Fernando being optimistic again? I feel like Fernando's being unusually is, uh, optimistic again. This is optimism, Alonzo. Um, <sighs> opium would call that. Opium. What, what's the opium. What's the French word for opium? Um, mid. <laughs> How mid? Perfectly mid. Fifty <laughs> percent. Um. So basically, lost it's, you know, technically, technically, it's only hopium if it comes from the hopium region of France. Otherwise, it's just sparkling misplaced optimism. <laughs> what the hell is this? Like, you, you want a race is is a little bit fluky, but all the same, we take those wins they because I'm a big ass about Ocon believer. Uh, got the podium in the last year, and you bring it on our Safnauer, friend of the podcast, on our Safnauer, I should say. Uh, Good luck. And then testing shows a car that has flashes of potential, but nothing consistently there to makes me believe that they're not going to take a step back from where they were last season. There's been a lot of... I wouldn't say... They reset their engine this year, so they're actually on the split turbo now. The only one left that isn't on a split turbo is Ferrari. Um, and that is a major architectural change that you need to cope for and they've had a lot of just minor reliability issues creeping in that have been taking some of their runtime away um i think it was alonzo clocked in a pretty good time right at the end of uh late on day three but got, on, yeah. got 120 laps in on that last day as well yeah so by the end of the test they were looking a little better but I just don't see them. I don't see them taking the next step. You know, was this uh, seven years into the seven years into the three year plan? Yeah, the five year plan. We're now on year seven. We've gotten one win out of this, and that was after a rebranding of the team and a global pandemic. Yeah, and the mother of all fluky races to get that win. Yeah, like. <laughs> It, it feels a like a running yeah. theme across all the midfield teams. We have one more left to go. It feels like the running theme mm. is it's a complete mess. There, I, Maybe one of these teams where it's, it's not a, a complete mess. It's more of a Formula One gumbo, you see. Yeah. 
it's 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 a, it's a jambalaya that's gone wrong. It's like you're trying to save it here, uh, you know, try and thin out a bit of water, and you're just trying. Like whoever's the least messy of these teams will probably end up fifth. Yeah. And like, Aston Martin would probably take fifth right now. Oh, they'd Alpha bite your arm off. Definitely take fifth. They'd bite your arm off for points, <laughs> given how they looked in testing. And you you say you say fifth. Hey, I think it's gonna be fourth. Really? Yes. I don't know about that, Wow. Chief. I don't know about that. Ooh, spicy. Okay. Um, should we get into that? I think King's referring to the next team on the list, um, and that's McLaren. Now, there was a bit of a gap between McLaren and Ferrari and the rest of the midfield last year. Um, they've not had a good time of it of late. Let's get into that a little bit. Same lineup, as I mentioned, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. Um... It's they're talking about ease of use, right? James Key was spoke, speaking about this, especially in the case of Ricardo, who we all know struggled a bit compared to Lando last year. Said, "quote I would say overall, it's been maybe even an easier car to drive so far. I think when you look at the way we're generating downforce, we've got massive sort of brute force items, a huge front wing, and a massive floor, which is very powerful." There is far less complexity above all that. And I think when you've got the sort of brute force arrow, rather than the very refined fiddly arrow we had last year, you're more likely to get a more stable working platform because you're using big surfaces rather than fine detail. I think that's probably helped us a little bit in that respect compared to last year. Overall, I would say we've taken a step in the right direction, but for sure, there's still some work to do. Two big problems with that. Number one, they've had huge braking issues throughout most of the tests. Um, which they've been there to Bahrain in particular. They had to, they had to scramble to get parts out um, to, to um, the last day of the test in Bahrain to to try and fix their braking problems. And Daniel Ricciardo caught the Rona again um, and, and missed um, the second test altogether, which wasn't ideal. Um, he self-isolated. He appears to be fine. So there's best wishes to Daniel, of course. But um, one of the, one of the, I think this is one that will please the internet a little bit. Um, we found out during that last day of the test that if Daniel Ricardo can't go, we'll have to wait and see how he how he tests over the next few days. Um, Alpine has said, "Hey, do you want to borrow Oscar Piastri for a round?" Um, yeah, just for the reigning Formula Two champion that we were just gonna have on our on yeah, our pit wall as decoration. Oscar, he's still on the couch. Yeah, yeah, like his famous <laughs> quote. I say, say famous, barely anyone watches Formula Two. When he won, when he won the Formula Two championship last year on the podium, he said that, "Yeah, this is. I really enjoy this trophy because uh, next year I'm going to be the champion of sitting on the couch." Uh, <laughs> which, oh man, if you're on Alpine, I love this wow. Kid. Hello? <laughs> He's the best prospect you've had in your academy since Grosjean. Hello? <laughs> anyway, yes, like, Piastri looks like he'll be the man to, to, to step in uh, if Ricardo is not think, ready to go. I think go we also need to put in could, because McLaren do have other could. options besides Piastri. Yeah. They, they do have Stoffel Vandor yeah. and the Nick the Freeze, then remember, we don't race in Formula E again until early April, so those, those two are also in the mix, but... I don't think McLaren would add him to their pool unless they had an intention to try and run him. Um, that's the impression that I get, um, especially given they've also been very busy signing Colton Herter to a development deal. So it's all going off at McLaren at the moment. Um, 
I don't know what to make of this rebuilding young driver oh, oh, program you, all by ourselves. You thought you were just going to have to wait until Andretti entered Formula One to get an F1 deal. Hertz is like, just give me a damn seat, okay? Just give me a goddamn seat. All in. Um, um, yeah. You know, McLaren, McLaren were arguably the co-stars of the uh, first week in Barcelona along with Ferrari. One of the only teams to not suffer really from any porpoising, and they don't particularly know why. The car just doesn't do it. They were fast. They were consistent. And all of that came crashing down in Bahrain as they effectively had to scrap day one due to brake issues. They've not done any meaningful long runs. It's resulted in, quote, crispy components that mean that just any running they do is limited on how hard they can push and how long they can run. And Daniel Ricardo got the aforementioned Rona. Now, which <laughs> to, to me, like despite the speed... Pretty much, McLaren's, like, course through testing worried me. First week, no issues. To me, that's always a bit of a red flag. And then, second test, well, the for, the test... Nothing uh, but issues. Nothing but issues, and they were limited in how much running they could do. To me, testing is about trying to aggravate Murphy's Law. Trying to force problems out of your car so you solve them then and there and not have to have it crop up in the season. Uh, the the problems in this case were a balloon which exploded and covered everyone in garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who puts garbage in a balloon? Don't you just take that out by barge? And then they're like a landfill. Is that what we're getting to? Like when all the landfills are full, we're just putting our garbage and setting it off in a hot air balloon or satellite or yeah, something. Yeah, this is. Um, uh, it's it's rough. I think, I think that's an adequate way of summing up McLaren in Draft to Survive season four. <laughs> Basically, just a balloon of garbage and Daniel Ricciardo interviews. And that's that's. Uh, you know, if if the balloon is full of garbage, it means there's garbage in the balloon. Yeah, and but, that's mm-hmm. the issue um, for me. That's another issue for me with McLaren is who had a torrid time last year other than his single race victory? Daniel Ricardo. Who needed time to continue acclimatizing to McLaren's environment and car? Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo. Who lost the whole last weekend due to having the Rona and the poops? Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, that could not have been like, any worse. Honestly, them <laughs> signing the reserve deal with Piastri, them getting Herda on a development deal, that is red flags if you're Daniel <laughs> they have They have every just... chamber filled in case you decide <laughs> to walk. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, it's like... We know Ricardo's got two years left in the deal. I'm asking, is there an exit clause in that contract after the end of 2022? I, I wonder. Probably. Be- we were asking that like, before he honestly, won. Before he won with McLaren, you know, teasing that they could enter other championships, and it's not they've done something like this before where you got a contract to be a McLaren employee. It doesn't say you have to try it. Sorry. Hey, Daniel, how's Formula E Sorry, James. <laughs> um, yeah, McLaren came into the test looking real good. Came out of the test looking like 10 pounds of shit Oof. in a 5-pound bag. Um, 
get the feeling that like the potential is still here for a race winning car, yeah. but yeah. they've it's it, they can't be, yep. it, they've got to sort out the reliability. You can't be no You can't come out of Bahrain with a double DNF, and that's what people are worried mm-hmm. about. And look, we know Lando Norris isn't going to be the one pushed out the door if, if this team underachieves no. because Lando Norris is locked down to a good deal. He did everything but win a race. It probably could have, yeah. but he fell on his sword. Yeah. And Lando's got three more still years. Has good fits, Lando's though. got three more years on his deal. They love him in McLaren. He is the centerpiece of that team. Friend of the show Hazel Southwell. Friend of the show Hazel Southwell is describing this as his evil twink art. <laughs> Moving on. It's time for him to become a more Ferrari. ruthless competitor. <laughs> Ferrari. Oh boy, it's time! It's time to get back on the narcotic, baby. <laughs> it's time we all got back on the narcotic it's, for the Chuck and Chuck show. Oh god, no! You're like, I've just had war flashbacks to all the times I picked Sebastian Vettel to win the title, and I'm just like, no, not again, no. I've been there. Oh, Scuderia Ferrari. I know how this narcotic smells. Scuderia Ferrari. Um, they've been banking on these re- regulations for quite a while. No. They got back to pretty much where they should have been after, you know, the rebuild last year and their worst season in 40 years in 2020. And if preseason <laughs> testing was anything to go by, Ferrari might have the least question marks hanging over their head heading into round one. On average, their two drivers, Charles Leclerc, who finished sixth, and Carlos Sainz Jr. finished fifth last year, had the best preseason of everybody. And this was backed up by basically everyone around them. <sighs> kind of the kiss of death from the rest of the paddock. If you ask Christian Horner, quote-unquote, I think that the Ferrari are the form team you'd have to say at the moment, but hopefully we can be there as well. More on that in a little bit. Ferrari even had time to poke a little fun at their rivals' claims of playing down their pace, and Carlos Sainz uh, claiming bullshit on Lewis Hamilton saying that the Mercedes is just hot garbage. Honestly. Quote, I think it's typical Mercedes hyping up the others, then we come to the first race and they blow the competition away, which is typical. If it was the first year they did that, then maybe I'd believe them, but they've been doing it for six years now and they keep crushing us in the first race. So as you can imagine, I don't believe much. Um, gentlemen, your preseason champions, Ferrari. Sort of. <laughs> in the banner. The banner preseason nope, champions. No, nope, nope. take that flag down from Marinello. Take that down. Uh, I, I think I'm 100 percent on board. Signs saying it's pretty much like as much as it is a poke at Mercedes. It is pretty much Carlos Signs declining taking the trophy for preseason champion because everyone knows what that means. <laughs> no one. Who, it is very it's a death. Very rare that anyone is the best team in testing and show up to the first race and wins. Last year was such an outlier, and even then, Red Bull didn't win round one. Yeah, yeah, we've been here before, folks. Trust me, I know. Um, that's uh, like the, 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 it, it's like it's it's the honey trap. Everything about Ferrari looked great coming out of Bahrain. They were consistent. They were fast. Yeah, this is a race-winning car. We don't no, even need no, to make this... a driven bet on this. They're going to win a race. I They're agree. going to win multiple races. They look solid. They were bomb-proof, reliable, basically all the way through the test. They have a little bit of porpoising, but not too much. Not enough to really negatively affect the car. And they've been able to cure what little they did have through some minor upgrades. 
nothing to the effect of uh, the two teams that we're going to talk about next. Yeah. And uh, I want to say this now before we get to the final two teams. I think all top three teams will win at least two races each. After that point, Whatever mm, happens, we, happens. We, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, mm, okay, the big thing for me with the Ferrari is that it it looks relatively easy to get good lap time out of. You you put it out on track, mm. it works. How high that ceiling is, we don't know. We don't know for any of these three mm. teams, but early on, at least, if their car is as good as advertised and just as good as it looks out on track, they've got to drive home some big points early. Oh, oh, I was oh, going to say yeah. here, but this is Ferrari, so we're inevitably waiting to see which creative manner they fuck this up. No mm. one. And I mean... It happens every time. No one can throw away a race quite like the Scuderia. Maybe Kyle Busch, um, as a result of Sunday's NASCAR race. <laughs> but as a close, close <laughs> fight at the top, Scuderia-Ferrari. No, like, it, before testing. Like, what I mean before, not like a week before, but the month before testing. The way it's things seemed at Ferrari, it looked like things were desperate. Like, literal, hey, jean Tot just left office. Maybe we could sign him on as a special advisor. Desperate. They're out here dragging what... Li- <laughs> Look, Rory Byrne is a very, very old man. Let him rest, for God's sake. You can't can't keep calling him to to fix the car every time there's a regulation change. We are bringing back the 2000 Super Team one more time. It's like the Rolling Stones going on tour again. It's just like... (laughs) We're going to keep going forever. Despite all those claims, it seems like Ferrari haven't completely righted the ship, but it seems like they're heading in the right direction. Which is, yeah, that's good at least, and it's and something that we don't good. say often about Ferrari. <laughs> Finally, the big dick sits hey, back. You maybe it. maybe we seven, maybe seven. If Lando is uh, Lando keeps on his form from last year, and maybe and maybe eight if Daniel Ricardo gets better and gets acclimated in the team. Dre, I know how much you love uh, Drive to Survive's uh, very creative editorial uh, um, uh, storytelling. Um, how long is it going to take before the Chuck and Chuck show implodes? Do you think there's needle in this in this team pairing? Um, it depends. How much are you paying the Netflix editor? Um, I, I'm gonna slip in my bag, um, un, under the table and see what comes up. Honestly, I think they'll be fine. Look, like I think they're a great pair. I think they're the best lineup in Formula One when it comes to sheer driving talent. I think they're superb. I think Leclerc's only getting more mature with age. And look, Signs is like the class clown, and I mean that in a good way. Like, in the paddock, he's funny, he's, like, going. I think they'll be fine. I honestly do. Wait no, I disagree. Them, like, <laughs> until they hit each other in Monaco, and then it all yeah, goes I, to shit, inevitably. I, so I disagree. I, I wait, The moment you said, this is the best driver pairing in terms of sheer talent, that's, like, red flag. Also, the fact that also, the fact that uh, Bonotto has already said that they're not, they don't have a number one driver going into this season. Red flag. Uh, it's a death. <laughs> 
He's not wrong. You know, there are many red flags in the supporter section of Monza. I'm just I, saying. I, I hate that King is not wrong about anything he just said. I'm just like, shit, he's right. Yeah, like, it's it's true. They have a, they are very similarly matched in terms of talent. And, you know, they haven't taken the, each other out yet. Um, yet. The only the way world. that things remain in perfect harmony between Leclerc and Sainz is if the Ferrari isn't a good car. And then for Ferrari, that's not good. Mm. And and then Ferrari yeah, pins them idea. both. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, it's your time. <laughs> we just like what we saw to Kevin Magnuson as Return mm. of Haas. Hey, stranger things have happened. Though I do think this is the year that Chuck, that Leclerc finally wins Monaco. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Man. Low grip Ferrari could certainly happen. That's my prediction every year, and I'm sticking with now, it. Now let's time. Let's call what I like to call the Twitter villains, Red Bull Racing. Oh boy, this is gonna be good. <laughs> Red Bull Racing unchanged lineup: Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Now this is gonna be fun. Now they left a statement of intent right at the end of testing. Um. The fastest overall time, major upgrade to the final day. Verstappen seven temps quicker than the aforementioned hyped Leclerc on that last day. Um, Max admitted he wasn't at full beans, but optimistic about the direction the team's going and said, quote, I think the main focus about the tyres that we're going to use next week is that the car was feeling all right and we went through our program we planned to do, and that's always possible, I think. Always positive, I should say, I think. He added, of course, the car is better in low fuel and naturally on high fuel. The car is a bit lazy and it doesn't really do a lot. But it's the same for everyone. I think the new parts which are on today also worked well, which you always hope for. Gentlemen, I think they're the favourites, which is a weird thing to say going into a season. Because I've not said that about Red Bull in like nine years. I, <sighs> I wouldn't say they're the favourites, but they have everything together before everyone else. Like, I'd say they're the most stable team. Don't know if they're the best team, but they're the most yeah. stable team. They're the team that looks like they, they could race tomorrow if it came down to it right now. It was like Suzuki at MotoGP last week until the clock started running. But, um, yeah, they feel solid. The car feels solid. It looks solid. Verstappen looks happy. Um... This seems positive. Cam, talk me out of this. Uh, no, I won't. I shan't. I can't. <laughs> um, and it's not just because of this uh, fine Honda Vintage Culture jacket that I'm wearing. Um, it's not a it's Honda a anymore. Jacket. Trust us. It's only an HRC. Um, <laughs> Red Bull caught a lot of eyes in the first week when they showed their real car and uh, what the hell are those side pods? What the hell is that front suspension? What is this? And through talk of the car being a bit overweight, talk of maybe starting this year's development late from the push last year that the Red Bull looked a little bit unfinished. And I held that same opinion that people were seeing trackside right up until about the last day of testing. When they put a major upgrade on the car, sent Perez out, and he immediately went to the top of the timesheets. Bang. And 
this is going to be a running theme. All three of these top teams are BSing so hard. Yep. They they got more sand than is out of the desert beyond the walls of the track. <laughs> all three of them. Someone's and bluffing. <laughs> all three of them are bluffing. And the Red Bull just looks good. It just looks really, really good in mid high mid to high speed turns. It's on rails. Low speed, it's not as strong. Mm. You see through the bluff, yeah, through the bluff, you see that this is a good car, and we know that. Like, hey, Master Stappen's the reigning. There is no champion. question. There's no. There's, there's no, no question about with Max his driving after last quality. year. Most podiums in an F1 None. season. Um, whatever this car has to give, he will get all 18. of it, and then a little bit more. Um, and Perez looked happy as a clam, not quite on Verstappen's pace, but then Max Verstappen, but he looked happy. Come on now. <laughs> but he looked happy. And did. after, um, I think beyond a gearbox issue in the first, uh, shakedown test, the car was pretty solid reliability wise. They just look really damn good. Yeah. Like this, this feels like the Red Bull of a decade ago. Feels like the Red Bull of last oh, year. God. Like oh. I get the same vibe from testing last year, and we know how last season played out. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Took a while to get there, and it was Maybe messy. But we got there. Good news, gang. The friends we made along the way. We didn't make any friends. Good news, gang. Though we we get more Christian Horner interviews. Don't all look excited. Please don't all look excited. I want no interviews from any <laughs> of these top three team principals. Interview the technical directors. They're more interesting. Agreed. Shall we talk about the reigning champions, the constructors champions, I guess we could say, from last year? The reigning constructors champions, the Mercedes AMG team, the eight-time consecutive Formula One constructors champions, Lewis Hamilton and some guy called George in the 63 alongside him has apparently stolen Valtteri's seat, and they're going to run with it now. Um, so, uh, I, I need to make a brief editorial. That is Sir yes. Lewis Larbalus here, yes, Hamilton. Yes, we, we, we need to confirm the name change. Please don't come after us on Twitter. Um, we have mentioned his full name. His surname is going to be the same. Which He's just taking his mother's how surname. To actually pronounced. Name. Like, I've never uh, heard anyone yeah. say it because uh, Sky actually interviewed nope. David Croft about it, and uh, Crofty went the entire interview without actually saying it. I don't want to try and you exactly what I don't want to try and say it just because I don't want to disrespect the man's mom. Yep. No, exactly. No. Let's move on. Um yeah. Mercedes camp, not so optimistic around around here. Um they interviewed Hamilton at the end of the Bahrain test and he was not particularly happy about the situation. Quote Obviously, it's a little bit too early to have those kind of thoughts. He was asked about, is this car even going to be a title contender? But at the moment, I don't think we'll be competing for wins. But there is a potential within our car to get us there. We have just got to be able to extract it and fix some of the problems, which is what we're working on. When asked if it was similar to last year, Lewis said, it's not as good. I don't think we're going to make it look as good as we did last year with a difficult season we had in practice and then switch over to the race. I think we have far bigger challenges this time and they are not one week turnarounds. I think they will take a little bit longer. But from what I'm told, we have a considerable amount of pace to find. Um, the obvious observation, can 
Get your jokes in now, folks. Cam screaming into the void down there saying, Liar! Liar, but only to an extent. Um, we've talked about porpoising. Ain't no car porpoising like the Mercedes. Thud, thud, thud all the way down the straights. Um, you can hide one lap pace. You can hide straight line speed. And Mercedes were. They were running in the lowest engine mode and they weren't even using eighth gear. But you can't hide what that car was doing on the straights. Jesus Christ. It it, it looks um, like it's not calibrated no. yet. It looks like the potential is there. And everybody was just yeah, going, like, going pods. all over the zero pods like, concept. To me, it, like, it, it feels like over the course of testing, it was yeah. people just being just wowed and then whatever they were wowed by, they're going to be champion. So Ferrari unveils their livery. Uh, everyone's like, oh, man, this is the car this year. They're going to be champions. Then mm. they show up to test. Red Bull reveals what their actual car is. Red Bull are going to be champions. Like, we go to Bahrain. <laughs> Mercedes shows the zero pod. They're going to be champions. And it feels like not like, <laughs> I'm getting very, I'm getting very big Vince McMahon going gushing over Gary Stridham and the WBF vibes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say Mercedes aren't going to compete for the title because they are Mercedes AMG Patronus Formula One team. They are going for what? nine consecutive constructors mm -hmm. championships. However. Nine. And Lewis has oh. a chip on his skull shoulder oh, yeah. from how last year ended. You may no, not have no, heard no, about no, it. I don't know course. what you're talking about. Um, I don't have a can of Red Bull to sip here, but uh, just think of the spiritual Red Bull I'm holding. <laughs> not um, again. But here's the thing. <laughs> they have issues. Yep. They have real issues. They have issues Definitely. real enough that yeah. they were having to hack parts of their floor off on the last day of testing just to get the car to behave. It's well, not that the floor looks basic, that they were literally slicing pieces of the mouth of the floor off RJ. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it feels like Mercedes created a platform that is on the bleeding edge of what's technically capable with the new regulatory set. And it's either they're gonna unlock that platform and get it right and be a dominant team, or get it wrong and like them getting it wrong it's not going to be like horrific like oh they're going to finish outside the points every week but like they're not going to be competing for the championship say i get you know the the unpods right yeah i get a feeling of another mercedes-benz powered car that didn't end up racing about 19 years ago and ended up taking some really really major oh. changes to work into a car that could race. I don't think it's that bad. But Oh, you think this is an MP oh when you, okay. It's very odd this car. In in low speed turns, it looks like the X twenty ten from Gran Turismo. Yep. In low Dos. speed turns, it is batshit crazy. They could lap the field at Monaco. Conversely, they would get lapped at Silverstone with the way the car is driving at high speed. <laughs> Because it's poor, it's bouncing right. so badly that the front of the car just doesn't stay in the corner. And when you compare that to, it's like when you compare that to the Red Bull, where Max turns the wheel and it just bites, it's mm. concerning. And 
Mercedes and Red Bull, Red Bull to a lesser extent, but Mercedes have always been the kings of platform control. Using what has been in the past very trick suspension to run a crazy aggressive aero platform and then keep it stable via various hydraulic means on their suspension. That's banned now. That's gone. That's hard banned out of the regulations. And that would, you know, we're seeing porpoising that probably we would have seen in the past on the last few cars, last couple of years, but we haven't seen it because of the ways they've been able to control that platform. And now Mercedes is in the wilderness because what they've, one of the key components of their car that they have built all of their cars on since 2014 is now gone. And how far do you have to retrace your steps to go find where your issue is that's causing this? Because if it's something where they can just bring a floor upgrade and cure most of it, Mercedes will be in the fight for wins. Mercedes might become dominant. If they can't, they might need to do a, a, a wholesale reset of their concept. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting because we have at the front, we have three totally different concepts between the Ferrari, the Red Bull, and the Mercedes, all equally radical in their own right. And we just don't know which one's going to work. Yep. And we have no clue. And, that's and the especially of over the course of the first three races, we got three radically different venues. Yeah, uh, this yeah, form back Bahrain, this form book is going to be Saudi Arabia and then really volatile early on as one one upgrade in one little area of a car because we're this early in the regulation set might bring you half a second because you can fix so many other issues with your car yep. and you can jump up the field. Yeah. And that's the case for every team on the grid right now. And that's you know. I feel like this is all distracting us from the inevitable discourse about what success looks like. If for you've George got this Russell much hype behind you. <laughs> because people will be expecting him to be... Good luck, kid. People will be expecting him to beat Lewis Hamilton in every single race, and people will be expecting him to be uh, like Valtteri I'd Bottas with two my, less My expectation years. for Russell... I, to me, I say my expectations feel low, but for Russell, I just expect him to finish fourth. Like, especially with what could, how drastically the front of the field could vary if Russell could just finish fourth any given race weekend. Uh, that's that's pretty good for a first year. Yeah, look, I'd say 250 points would be a pretty solid number. Maybe a little less, maybe 230. That wouldn't be a bad place to start. Um, over the course of the season. If you can steal the odd win here and there, brilliant. And the internet will love you. Um, so, you know, you just get, you know, if you get a win, if the opportunity comes, take it with both hands. We know the kid is good. We just don't know how good he is. And look, no one with, with a reasonable mind has expected him to get that close to Lewis. Like, I would say beat the beat number 11 in the purple car. That's your target, realistically. Because if you do that, you'll almost certainly win the title. At least the constructors. Like, because that'll be the, the contribution. That, look, Bottas was a big contribution towards that for Mercedes last year. There's no, there's no which way you could slice it, you know. So, that, I think, is a realistic aim. Good luck, George. You may need it. Um, but, uh, God... Let's do a little bit more guessing before we get out of here. I'm going to pose an over-under because I like doing an over-under because I'm a bookies man at the end of the day. Over or under, five and a half different winners. Yeah, I'm going over. 
I'm hitting that over. over. I think I think I'm hitting that. We're over. gonna get more than five. I think it's probably gonna be like around like six winners, like just slightly more than last year. Uh, I don't think like I don't think it's gonna be that much over the over, but it will will hit it. I think I'm right with Cam? King on that one. I think given given how volatile this form book is going to be i could say that any of the top any of the drivers in the big dick six and even mclaren <laughs> if they get their uh their ish together are sure. certainly capable of winning races this year yeah because uh, i'm gonna say yeah, there's going to be nothing. like the development race this year is going to be a race the the Competitive order in Bahrain is going to be completely different by the time we get to Barcelona and then completely different by the time we get to Monza and completely different by the time we get to Abu Dhabi. This sport finds a way to disappoint. I'm going to say slightly <laughs> you under think someone's going on to this nail one. It? I think someone could nail it. I think that's possible. I think someone could get an upgrade right, and then they went like, if if Max gets it right, he wins eleven rounds this year. Like you know, that's I could easily see There's that. There's another happening. thing as well with like, the Red Bull so, that I, I only just remembered as well is that with the talk of the car being overweight, they're about ten kilos overweight around Bahrain. That's worth about three and a half tenths a lap. That is free lap time that Red Bull is luck. going to find this year. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Constructors champs. It's harder thick. I hope they race Constru it. Constructors champs, anyone? Donal Russian. Right, your Take internet your connection is worse than off <laughs> Romeo's lap times. God. It's true. Yeah. I was going to say. Um, Constructors. Uh, Red Bull. Red, Red Bull Racing HRC. I I'm going with Mercedes. I'm going with Mercedes. Wow. wow. The, the ones the star in it, it has replaced chaos in his sky again, the three pointed star reigns. <laughs> Red Bull. I think it's time. Why? Why did King? Why is King turned into me from last year? <laughs> why is Mercedes the else? spicy pick? Christ, I was half thinking of going with Ferrari I think just it... for answer. <laughs> I I almost I almost want to say Ferrari because I think their drivers are the closest to one another. But that's and the, the most problem. Known quantities, but that, that exactly that's the problem is that they're both going to be there taking points off each other. Ooh, finally, driver's champ. Um, uh, I'm, I'm prepared to say that it's us. We're the champions for being <laughs> blessed to watch this sport we that is surging in popularity the around the world. Um, <laughs> unless he gets sick or hurt, I'm going with Matt Verstappen, and I don't think I need. For those of you who are listening on audio only, Matt for uh, Cam has a Matt Verstappen shirt, so it's obvious that you're picking Sergio Perez to win the title, right? Clearly, <laughs> um, 
just to see Sergio Perez's dad ascend on international television. Um, yes. I need a Perez no, I just, just for that. <laughs> dude, if he ever wins a race in Mexico, it is going to be It's a national holiday. Um, yeah, I... Given the form on, given the current form of the cars, and knowing that red the Red Bull still has some free lap time in it, I just can't pick against Max. He's too fucking consistent. Mm. A bad day for him is second place, and that's yeah. There's just um, you have to be Lewis Hamilton good to counter that. King. And have to be Lewis Hamilton to counter that. Gonna go with uh, one Mister Lewis Hamilton for World Drivers Champ. King is literally me from last year. <laughs> We've gone in reverse. Like they like have gone the other way this year. Um, We've always been accused of being a Matt Verstappen partisan podcast here. Oh, of course, of course, we love him here. <laughs> anyway, um, I am going to go with the man who I think is the best driver in the world right now and I think that's Max Verstappen and I think off the back of last year he ticked any last remaining boxes or doubts on the man's ability I think he is an exceptional exceptional talent and I think he's going back to back I really do I think it's going to be Max cementing his place as one of the all-time greats of a second title, and he can end up with 30 career wins by the time this year. He's going to basically match Alonso's career by the end of this year, which would be just terrifying on on, on raw counting stats. You've killed RJ. Sorry, You've murdered him. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel that, like, to play to your point, Trey, if Verstappen has the equipment, he is going to win the world championship. It's almost... It's almost book it levels. It's, I, I, it's kind of I, scary, actually. I find it wild that Verstappen and Red Bulls King alluded to earlier. That's the safe pick. It's a weird vibe here, given that we're talking about an eight-time Constructors champ as their direct opposition. And here we are. We will see how we go. The very first race of the Formula One season this weekend in Bahrain, March twentieth. Uh, it's a loaded weekend of motorsport. The thousand miles of Sebring in the WEC. We got IndyCars Expel 375 in Texas. MotoGP's uh, return to Indonesia this weekend as well. Very early one for the Americans, unfortunately. Also, um, I should have to add in, whoa, how do you talk about WEC racing at Sebring and not talk about IMSA's 12 hours how of Sebring? you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, um, as you do. Um, but uh, yes, quite right. And of course, Formula One in Bahrain. It's a loaded weekend. Keep an F1 eye out on social media F1 for how we cover all of that. It's going to be an absolute... It's Keep an eye on social media. Please use yeah. social media responsibly this year, you bunch of ding-dongs. Yes, please do. Put your dicks away. Like, like, okay. But uh, yes, we'll keep our social media how we cover all of that because it's probably the most stacked weekend of motorsport we're going to get all year. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. Places you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. Same on Facebook, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our handles are on the screen at Harrison 101 HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, at CBuckley 917. Instagram, motorsport 101 pod. Website, motorsport101.com. We'll be back next week to review... 
the most stacked weekend of motorsport of 2022 without doubt but uh uh until then i only have one last line to say hard work pays off dreams to come true bad times don't last but bad guys do sign out everybody take care <laughs> see ya Later, y'all. Here for Mick Schumacher passing Alonzo and Andrew Benson deleting all of his social medias. That's going to make it really awkward if I get seated in front of him at the media center again.